all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're taking on a topic that I know many of you have had in your minds for a long time. These mass shootings and suicides continue to increase. Why is it? What is going on? Is it the increasingly difficult access to mental health services? Some say so. Is it assault weapons? Others say yes. Is it the adversity in which our children are growing up? Perhaps. Or could it be that our children are growing up playing killing games that they never had access to before with no understanding of the consequence of killing or being killed? Maybe there's not any one thing there, but what I want us to talk about today um, is that the U.S. has more mass shootings than any other country. The rate at which public mass shootings occur has tripled since 2011. There has been one show after another, and you just heard it on the news today, about gun violence, school shootings, and what needs to be done. Honestly, it it seems like we're regularly having deja vu. This has been going on for more than 20 years. You know, the, the original one was uh, 20 years ago, mass school shooting, but there was another mass shooting back almost 50 years ago. People get up in arms. There's a lot of finger pointing, grieving, threatening, and then nothing happens. Why do we let it pass? We know that there are people who continue to suffer and grieve and ache from the lost times that parents or loved ones will never have with those who were killed. But then we all seem to go on and nothing changes. Are you tired of hearing about school shootings? I hope so. I am. Have you had a voice in this? If not, you need to. Um, I'm going to take just a minute to read a letter from... um, Colleen Craft, Dr. Colleen Craft, she's the president, the present president for the American Academy of Pediatrics. And this is how it goes. This was the day after, by the way, of the school shooting. She starts yesterday, just before the dismissal bell rang, 17 children and adults were shot and killed and 15 were injured inside Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. We find ourselves once again filled with grief and horror, and we mourn alongside all those impacted by the shooting. As our hearts are in Parkland, our eyes are in Congress. This is an 18th school shooting in 2018, the equivalent of one every two and a half days so far this year. Shootings have been an indelible impact on entire communities, on the families who lost children and loved ones, and on the children who survived, Columbine, Virginia Tech, Newtown, Orlando, Las Vegas, and now one of our 100 U.S. senators and all our 435 U.S. representatives bear a responsibility to take meaningful action to protect our children, our families, and our communities. Our elected leaders cannot continue to fail an essential task. We can start by working in advance, meaningful legislation that keeps children safe. The American Academy of Pediatrics advocates for stronger state and federal gun laws that protect children, including a ban on assault weapons like the ones used in yesterday's shooting. We call for stronger background checks, solution 
solutions addressing firearms trafficking and encouraging safe firearms storage. We will also continue to work to ensure that children and their families have access to appropriate mental health services, particularly to address the effects of exposure to violence. Although these mass shootings command our attention, our children remain at risk for suicide, homicide, and unintentional injury because of the current policies regulating guns in the U.S. Gun violence is a public threat to children and one of the AAPs which will continue to take on in state capitals across the country and in the halls of Congress. Parents across the U.S. send their children to school every day and hope and trust they will be safe. As long as children continue to be injured and killed by guns in this country, pediatricians will not rest in our pursuit to keep them safe. So that was the letter. And and obviously in the letter, the focus is on um, on better laws um, for gun gun management, I guess. Um, I, I think, you know, as I was thinking through this, uh, I thought one thing that will undermine making a good point in a debate for all of us is not being armed, no pun intended, with good information about the subject to which you feel passionate. Um, one of those is we often talk about weapons, um, those many of us who don't own one, or if you do own one, perhaps you don't have a huge knowledge base of, of, of what an assault weapon really is and what's the difference and would um, banning those really make a difference. So what I asked today is I've asked an expert on guns to talk to us about what really is the difference with guns and whether or not that type of gun that is sold will really make a difference and 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 how we should move forward at, at this without infringing on anybody's rights, without become a rabid no guns or is a good gun kind of person, which which we know is not okay. So um I have asked, I'm I'm pleased to ask retired army colonel John Scanlon, he served our country well, you guys. He's been to the Middle East twice. He's also um, served as a substitute teacher in some of our area schools. Um, he knows young people well. He has children and grandchildren. And he he cares um, deeply about this topic. So um, I believe we have um, Colonel Scanlon on the phone. Is that correct? Good morning, Dr. Buckers. Good morning, John. How are you doing today? Good. Well, thanks so much for calling in. And and I know we, we talked just a, a little bit uh, about what we wanted to talk about today, but I'm sure you heard my my intro. And, and we're hoping, I'm hoping right now that you'll talk to us a little bit about the the assault weapons, the weapons that have been involved in the mass shootings the last two or three times and and sort of tell us tell us what is an assault weapon what is that well an assault weapon is primarily designed to kill i mean it has an automatic option on it as well as a semi-automatic option now the difference between those is simply a selector switch that allows you to fire one round for each trigger pull, which is called semi-automatic fire, or automatic fire, which is multiple rounds with one trigger pull. And typically so the let military me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question real quick. So by round, what do you mean, one round? Bullets. And so how many, so one bullet, so any, even an automatic can shoot one bullet at a time? No. Is that, no. Only okay. semi-automatic. If it shoots, if it shoots one bullet, it is a semi-automatic weapon or less. In other words, one trigger pull, one bullet goes off. With automatic fire, one trigger pull, multiple rounds go off in succession. Okay, and it can be up to how many? 
Well, if you're shooting a machine gun, it's as long as the belt, 100, 200 rounds. If you're shooting a typically a handheld AR-15 or AK-47 SKS type weapon, it's as big as the magazine, which most of them are 30 rounds. Okay. So after after the thirty round, you stop and you have to reload if if that's what you have. And and so so let's talk a little bit about a handgun. So um, in households where there are shotguns or handguns, how um, how often after how many shots um, do you have to reload a gun? Well, there's basically two kinds of handguns, a revolver that has a revolving cylinder. Typically, they are five or six shots before you have to reload. Or an automatic handgun, which uh, what we call an automatic, uh, which is really semi-automatic. In other words, technically, it's a semi-automatic weapon, but it can hold 18 rounds, and there are some... Uh, magazine manufacturers that have that have created a magazine that's that's bigger than that that'll hold more rounds. But both of those weapons are one trigger pull, one round go off. So, if you're an individual who is worried about um, owning a gun and and being able to protect yourself. Um, are you able to protect yourself with a handgun that is is not an automatic weapon or a semi-automatic weapon? Yes. Uh, depending on who you talk to, some people like revolvers because they make a bigger noise and can and have more scare ability. Uh, other people like automatic uh, handguns. Uh, you know, some women like a hammerless handgun, which the hammer will not get hung up in their purse. They'll, they'll, the, the firing mechanism is all underneath the frame of the weapon. Uh, so depending on, you know, how proficient you are in firing the gun and if you believe you are mentally capable of shooting someone, then, you know, you might be well served to, to carry a gun, a handgun. If you're not proficient with the weapon or if you cannot, if you do not believe that in your mind you could shoot somebody, then you're probably better off not carrying one. But that's up to the individual. So, um, okay, I have just um, a an opinion question, I guess, coming from the military and and knowing um, essentially the training that it takes to really know how to to handle an automatic weapon, and you said these are weapons designed to kill and 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 clearly not weapons that are designed to um, hunt with, uh, I would imagine, correct? Um, is is there um, is there a reason for a lay person to own an automatic weapon? Well, there's two there, there's several aspects. Sure. I would talk about number one is uh, automatic fire with a handheld weapon, an AR-15 or a AK-47 or an SKS. Typically, when you train people to fire on automatic, it's in three to five round bursts, okay? And that happens pretty fast. When you pull that trigger, you know, you've got three to five rounds coming out of the barrel very quickly. So that's what we try to train these guys to do. Now, the, the, the problem is uh, if you hold it up your shoulder and aim the first one, there's probably three rounds at least that aren't going to hit the target because the the gun's going to get away from you unless you're very well trained and and have fired automatic fire a lot. Most soldiers do not do that. Uh, your special forces folks, your SEALs, they're all trained to do that. And they practice it a lot. I mean, firing a weapon is just like anything else. You have to practice it. Um, 
Now, the people need the weapon. Well, I would. you don't need it for hunting, and most people don't hunt with a weapon like that, typically because the bullet's too small to kill anything outright. Uh, some people do. You know, there's a lot of folks that like to, to hunt wild hogs and things of that nature. Um, but, but the point I'd like to make is if you read the wording of the Second Amendment, and it says a a well-regulated uh, militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That was written with the intention of keeping militias active, really under state or local control, with no standing army. We didn't have a standing army until, I mean, Thomas Jefferson was against it, but he finally came around when, he, when it was determined that we had to have some force available to the federal government to keep, you know, the, the, you know, to keep good order and discipline in the country, particularly in the western part of the country. And of course, right. if you ask, if you ask a lot of people, uh, particularly a gun owner, they're going to say the Second Amendment is what makes all the rest of them work. Not everybody believes that, but I personally do, uh, because the founders realized that uh, the government could turn tyrannical and the people have to have a way of changing the government. Now, that being said, that's probably an extreme position to a lot of a lot of your listeners. But, yeah, you know, that's well, it's kind of, it's kind of where we, we're at. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have our first caller before we go to break. Um, we'll we'll go on to the first caller, but I, I want others who have thoughts or opinions about this as we're moving along to give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, so let's go on to um, our first caller. We have Rick in Grand Bay. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. One thing you cannot practice at is killing. That's what you killed. I don't think I don't know anybody that I haven't that I have not served in the military with that would have the ability to kill. I think we have to think people on all sides. We have people think that this gun is there. Um, Rick, you're uh, kind of cutting in and out. I'm sorry. Will you will you start your sentence again? Is that better? Is that yes. better, ma'am? Okay. We have we have some really bad mental problems, emotional problems out here. We have uh, we have people who think that they have the authority to just go in there and wipe out kids. We got people who think that more guns is going to resolve the problem. But that there's some really bad mental issues going on. I think that this we need to take this to a radical level and get on the National Mall and build a memorial and have bodies made out of paper mache or bronze or whatever, the number of dead children, we need to start piling them up on, on the National Mall just to let the people know just how many children are being killed. There were 418 children killed by the, by the beginning of the year when, when is that when is this going to occur. Four hundred eighteen. Yeah. yeah. There has got to be. Yeah. Um, and I think your point is probably a good one. To continue to do nothing, which has, has overall um, been basically what's happening, um, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. Um the U.S. has – now, we were talking about the right to bear arms, and, and I don't think anybody is saying that 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 should be infringed upon. But how many arms do you need? In the U.S., there are more than 300 million guns, one for every citizen. Um, so we also have the highest um, death rate by guns, um, which is uh, – pretty amazing if you if you look at it by far um we've had by far more mass shootings than any other country 
And countries that have done something with their laws have have made a difference. Now, again, I'm not saying that it's all guns, but um, I guess we need to keep talking about what it is. Um, one issue is uh, that that I want us to address as we move along is that of uh, mental and behavioral health. Uh, are we taking care of our people? And when we see someone in trouble, what do we do? So um, let's go to our first break. And um, Colonel Scanlon, you can certainly stay with us. Rick, thank you for your call. And, um, you know, the idea of piling those bodies up, maybe it would make an impact. I'm not sure. Um, But we'll go on to our first break. And when we get back, um, we'll talk a little bit about one of the other issues, the mental behavioral health um, bearing. Uh, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Speaking, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and uh, today we're talking about um, guns violence, our kids, mental health, um, and and why can't we seem to do anything to change this terrible trend of so many individuals dying from mass shootings. And just to give you a, a definition, a mass shooting is for more individuals who who are killed um, by an individual at a, at a particular time. So... Um, Certainly, uh, the U.S. has more of that going on than any other country. Um, we've lost more children in schools than anyone ever would have imagined. Um, I know when my children were growing up, they're all in their um, 30s and 40s. The baby is actually 25. But uh, when they were growing up, I really didn't. You know, what we taught them was not to talk to strangers what to do about stranger danger. Um, and and now our kids are going to school never knowing what might happen next. Um, having to have drills for mass shootings, how scary and terrible is that? We've got to have something that turns us around in this. So today we have um, Colonel John Scanlon, who is Army, um, and retired Army, and um, has been giving us some information about guns and what an automatic weapon is. And, and certainly his opinion is that we all should have a right to bear arms. Um, um, I guess one question um, that, that I'd like to ask Colonel Scanlon, before we move uh, ahead, and I have a couple of other um, pieces of information um, that we'll talk about, is um, certainly a right to bear arms, but apparently um, individuals have a right to bear arms with um, without any training. Um, do you think... Um, making sure that individuals had some knowledge about gun safety, some knowledge about how to protect kids from having access might make a difference. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I do. Uh, But the problem is what we've got going on with mass shootings is some knucklehead that, that needs to be locked up someplace going out and shooting a bunch of people. You've got the guy in Las Vegas who really had no footprint. In other words, no big mental health footprint, although he was taking some medication or something. Nobody knows anything about him. And then you had this kid in Florida 
who there were all kinds of red flags. And uh, you, you, we, we have since found out that there were four officers on the scene who were there on the school grounds before the shooting stopped. And none of them went in, which they are trained to do. All active shooter training uh, by law enforcement is, you know, you go in as soon as possible, even if you're the only one there. What the sheriff has done in Florida, apparently, has proceeded with more soft policing. For example, the city of Chicago, the policemen were, were told not to be as aggressive stopping and frisking people. And if they did, they had to fill out paperwork every time they stopped somebody. Uh, New York is the same way. Now, both of those cities are administered and run by liberal politicians. In other words, people that do not want their constituents bothered by the police. So consequently, the, the, the problem you have is because this sheriff in Florida was trying to promote soft policing. In other words, let's be a little more, you know, helpful to the people and not be so aggressive. You ended up with seven, 17 dead kids. When everybody and their brother in law enforcement knew that what they should have done in is gone in and rushed the guy. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that um, certainly policemen um, need to be helpful, or sheriffs need to be helpful to individuals, and certainly one doesn't want to have um, individuals who are are continually frisking. But I think we're talking about a bit of a different issue here, and that is the the schools. We're talking about schools where individuals um, were able to come into um, schools with with guns and have access into the school. So I want us to stay stay focused on that. And the other issue is to to I want to go back to um, you know we have to have a driver's license to drive a car, which can be a lethal weapon. We have to have wear seatbelts by law, whether we want to save ourselves or not. Um, so why, why not have lethal weapons? Um, think about some training. Let's go back to the phones. We have Barry and Hazelhurst. Good morning, Barry. Thanks for calling. Yes, I have a technical question or two. Uh, okay. I've had deer hunters tell me that the um, AR-15 it's semi-automatic, just like a deer rifle. If you outlaw it, you have to outlaw deer rifles. And yet the colonel said that you can put a switch and, and it'll fire three automatically. And then the second question is, uh, it, I've heard military people say no citizen needs an AR-15-type weapon, only military and uh, police. That's my two questions, Okay, John, you heard those. Will you answer them for us? Yeah. Uh, you know, your typical deer rifle is either bolt action. Well, most of them are bolt action. I mean, there there may be other ways to eject the spent cartridge and advance a live round. But it, 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 that's an easy legislative fix. In other words, an assault weapon. Uh, that has the capability to fire automatically, that's in a separate category from a deer rifle. So I don't see the problem with that kind of legislation. Uh, and what was the second question? Um, Should a civilian he, have an AR-15? Do they well, need it? My question, do they need it? I understand. No, they, no, they don't need it. Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, everyone is, every male... Uh, in Switzerland has to go in the Army and be trained. And when they send them home, when they leave the Army, they're on kind of an extended call-up status, but they take their weapon home with them. And, of course, these weapons are all semi-automatic, automatic weapons. But they are the standing Army in Switzerland. So, consequently, uh, the Swiss have a very small cadre, but, uh, but all the male citizens, you know, have a weapon that the Army issued them. 
Now, that being said, um, you know, in my opinion, Americans don't need, I don't have one, so, I, you know, and I can't imagine needing one. Now, both my sons have one, okay? And they said, you really need one? I said, no, because I said, I'm too old to get in a gunfight with anybody. I said, I'll carry a shotgun, and if I get close enough, you know, I'll use a shotgun. And, and they said, well, what if we get in a firefight? I said, well, there'll be plenty of them laying around if I'm still living. I can pick one up. So consequently, I don't believe uh, that, that private citizens need an assault rifle. No, I do not believe that. Okay. AR-15, Thank you. AR-15 is an assault weapon if, if it's uh, semi-automatic. If an AR-15 is only semi-automatic, and, of course, we're splitting hairs here, so I don't know exactly what the legal description is. I'm just saying, uh, and, and, the, and the problem is the word assault weapon. That's the problem. These weapons are designed to be used by the military, and the military has one purpose, and that's to kill people and break things. I mean, that, that's what that's all about. I don't believe private citizens necessarily need to have one unless they're part of some you know, well-regulated militia. But it, 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 the way we do it in this country is we have a standing army and a National Guard, and, you know, your weapon stays with the unit. It doesn't go home with the individual. Okay. Thank you. We have another caller. We have David in Oxford who has some questions or maybe comments. David, good morning. Thanks for calling. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I have a just a couple of quick comments. Uh Last questions for clarification here. Uh, I've always been under the impression that members of the public could only purchase uh, semi-automatic rifles. So the AR-15, for example, that um, you know anyone over the age of 18 that um, you know clears the background checks can buy is semi-automatic only and does not have the automatic option. And as the colonel just said, you know we're kind of splitting hairs here, but I think it's important to think about. Um, the legal uh, issues you're going to run into if you ban, quote, assault weapons that are designed to kill. Well, every gun's designed to kill, right? So are you going to ban all semi-automatic weapons, both pistols and rifles? Um, so that, that's my question. And the, the second part of that is, even if you do ban the sale of all semi-automatic weapons, which I think anybody would agree would be pretty wide-sweeping, uh, they're still going to be out there. It's not going to make all the guns disappear. So I don't think that's the only solution to this problem. Um, so I'll, I'll listen to what y'all have to say on that. Okay. There, there are laws already on the books dating back to the 20s making uh, machine guns, what they called machine guns in those days, which, were try, which we've kind of morphed that into assault weapons today. Uh, they've been illegal since the 20s. Uh, the model 1918 BAR, Browning Automatic Rifle, uh, the, the Thompson machine gun. Uh, all of those weapons are illegal and were made illegal, and those, those rules are still on the books. So uh, you're right. You're going to have to make a distinction between automatic and semi-automatic. Nobody's authorized to have an automatic weapon now. And these That's kids right. you can buy, these bump stocks and all that stuff, I mean, that, that, that's illegal and needs to be, and, it, and, and we need to crack down on that stuff. Because the Second Amendment doesn't say your weapon, you know, can be automatic or semi-automatic. I mean, uh, all weapons in those days were, well, they didn't even reach the level of semi-automatic. They were all single shot. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's a moot argument as far as I'm concerned. But... Yeah, they need to crack down on that, and that could be done. That, that's an easy fix, legislative fix, to stop that automatic weapon stuff. So um, we're we're talking about we're talking about guns and what guns should be banned and what not. Um, we are also talking about the amount of increasing violence and why that's going on. We really haven't. Um, touched on the fact that is it just the guns? Is it the stress that 
individuals are under? Is it the mental health issue that that are not being addressed in our in our country? Um, so I'd like to hear from more of you. We've got some open lines. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to MP, uh, family at mpbonline.org. Um, you know, we still haven't addressed why is it so difficult um, for anybody to consider that one would need to have some sort of um, training before they were allowed to carry a gun. It seems to me that it only makes sense. The other thing is background checks are not enforced as well as they should be. And and in other countries where there have been more stringent background checks, it, it appears that there have been fewer shootings and, and less difficulty. So uh, I, I'm throwing those questions out there. We've got to do... I. For I can also address this as a mental behavioral health professional that um, whenever there are cuts, whenever one cuts um, services to any of our health care, the first thing that seems to diminish, the first programs that seem to be cut are the mental behavioral health programs, the family support programs, the ones that have what we call wraparound services for children so that if the families are not able to give the support to their children that those children need, then there are services that can go into the home and help. Why do we continue to cut those services? I, 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 that, I guess, is a rhetorical question. I don't think anybody has an answer except that children don't vote and poor families often are neglected um, from the services that they need. And I'm not saying a monetary handout. I am not promoting that. What I am promoting is good behavioral health services that kids need out there. And and they are limited, certainly, in our state. And by the way, Mississippi has one of the uh, highest death rates in the nation for um, deaths by guns. So just wanted to throw that one out there. I think we're third um, third from the, the highest. Um, so, well, Susan, that's a mouthful. There's a couple of subjects here. <laughs> Number one, uh, for example, this kid in Florida, there were plenty of red flags. Yeah. It should have been institutionalized or somehow. They, they talked to his foster father. And, of course, foster parents, God bless them, uh, they could get in some real uh, some problems here with these kids. Uh, his, his foster father said, I thought I, I had the only key to the gun safe. Well, he should have made sure he had the only key to the gun safe. I mean, mm-hmm. that was reckless of him to, to not know for sure he had the only key to the gun safe. The other thing that I've experienced over the years is that the mental health laws in this country uh, – are too lax from the standpoint of something bad has to happen before you can take the next step in 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 mental in, in dealing with mentally ill people. In other words, I, I think uh, the intervention should be more strenuous and earlier in the process than what we're seeing now. Now you know far more about that than I do, but but that I mean these people are slipping through the cracks. The Florida guy should have never slipped through the crack. Uh, and, and, and all these other school shooters done by kids shouldn't slip through the cracks. Yeah, uh, there there have been several warning signs out there. And the same thing goes for for individuals who commit um, suicide by firearms. I might as well throw that out there. We've had increasing numbers of that and right. and there have been clear indicators out there and so once again i'd like to say to to everyone out there who's listening 
But if there's anyone with significant severe depression, with any child who's ever, ever expressed, or adult, any kind of suicidal ideation, guns should not be a part of that household. They should not be there because of the very fact that a case like this, where the foster father thought he had the only key, I I agree, I'm not sure um, why um, there was another key, but but there are all kinds of ways people can get around that kind of thing um, or even break break through a lock. So to, to keep in mind, if somebody has had um, thoughts about death or thoughts about self-harm, that um, guns should, um, should be taken out of any possible reach of that individual. So we're going to take our next break, and, um, well, no, I think we do have a caller. Let's go on to, um, we have Richard and Starkville, who has called in. Let's get to him before we take another break. Richard? Yes, ma'am, thank you. I I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I think the first thing that we all need to do is realize First of all, we live in a country where you are allowed to have guns. Whether you like that or don't like that, that is a fact. Right. Number two, if we're allowed to have guns, people are going to get killed sometimes. Um, and, and before we can move on and come up with a, a way to deal with these problems, we have to accept that fact. Uh, we drive automobiles in this country. And you're allowed to drive an automobile provided you meet the criteria. And there's nothing to stop anybody from getting in an automobile and driving into a crowd, as has been demonstrated already in several parts of our country. And guns is, is no different. So I think the first thing we need to, to do is both sides of the coin here need to accept the fact that in a country where we are allowed to have guns, that there is going to be some of this going on. And if we're unwilling to accept that, we will never come up with a solution. That's all. So good point, Richard. Thank you. You're right. And and certainly um, your comment about the vehicle driving is, is correct. I guess my point about um, what we've done with vehicles is um, required licenses and required training and required reading, and it seems that we don't so much have any kind of training going on with guns. Now, would that make any difference? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think what we have seen, though, is in countries where there were laws that um, controlled better um, who who were able to um, have guns in that. Um, They had to have more stringent background checks. Um, There were more checks on mental health than it appears that the the deaths, the mass shooting deaths, have gone down. But clearly, there's something. It 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 is as I as I believe. I firmly believe multifactorial. We're not taking care of our individuals with mental behavioral health. Our children are growing up in adversity um, worse than any other. Um, country with wealth like ours, um, they're growing up. There are so many who continue to live in poverty without any kind of intervention. So, you know, is it is it one thing? Um, no. But perhaps we need to attack it from all sides. And, and Rick, you are right. Um, you know, we're going to have guns in this country. Um, I, I don't think we will ever get to the point where there are no guns. Um, and and I'm certainly not advocating that. Um, but we have got to do something. And we cannot continue to say that that there is nothing to do. We have we have got to come up with a solution and I, I believe it's multifactorial. And I hope everybody out there who's who's listening will um, try to do like we're trying to do 
and um, and and continue to be informed and try to work through this without anybody saying um, no change is necessary because we've got to have a change uh, in 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 some or many aspects. Um, we're going to stay on the phone. We have Mike and Diamond Head next. Mike, thanks for calling. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for the subject. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm a gun owner, shotgun, rifle, pistol. Uh, I've, uh, I've shot the AR-15. Don't see uh, people say they got to have AR-15 because of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is that you, 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 need, to be, you need to be armed. But I'm sorry, I know and have friends that have these AR-15s. You can get a 30-round clip. You can get a 50-round clip for 16 to $18. You can buy a clip that will hold wow. 30 rounds. Well, if I'm going to do a mass shooting, I just need to, be, need to buy about 10 of these. I've only spent 180 bucks to, to be able to do this. AR-15s mainly are for entertainment. They're not for defense. You're not going to use an AR-15 in home defense. There's not saying no way bullet goes through too many walls, too many kids could get hit. You just don't do that. Also, uh, just just to keep on going on the subject, you can also get a silencer for these things. That's the newest thing. It's like, oh, it hurts my ears. i got to have a silencer. Well, we've had earplugs for 100 years. That's what you do. They also have the, the Tannerite, which is... You can shoot it with a high-speed bullet, and it blows up like a hand grenade or a bomb. That just hadn't been used yet. It's going to be used. Like I said, I'm a gun owner. There are other people who should not own guns. Now, that's going to be a real fun one to take somebody's gun away. But after five DWIs, beating your wife and kids or whatever, and that's out there, and they have guns, it's like, you know, Maybe you just shouldn't own one or you shouldn't have it for six months or so. Uh, I truly do believe that if you want to buy a gun or you want to sell a gun to somebody, that you go to the police department, let them sell it for you, so to speak, let them do the background check. And I'm not denying you selling it to you. I'm not denying for you to go buy it. It's just that... You go by the police department, you let them do the check, and they're going to say, sorry, or here's your gun, whichever way. They don't have to do the financial transaction, but at least they could go up there and let them do the check. <laughs> I, I understand we can keep going on and on and on. Yeah. Yes, yeah. the mental issues of that kid, kid should have never bought one, ever at all. He just shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah. his dad died. His mom died. He got uh, uh, another lady took over his responsibility, and then she couldn't handle him, and another gentleman stepped up. The kid had problems, should have been researched for for years or for at least the, the past year or two. Helped. Everybody exactly. else saw it. And uh, there's your, your mental issue. Uh, I've heard some things on TV of, like, don't put a gun in my hand, says a teacher, go up there and give me more people in the school that can help these kids that have issues. That would yeah. help more than arming teachers with guns, so to speak. Uh, but that's it. I, uh, I'll hush and be quiet. Thank you very much for having this topic. Well, thank you. Lots of good comments. And I've heard um, teachers say the same thing. Give me more help. Um, I'll just throw this out there. Um, the, I already said when funds are cut, what, what gets cut? The mental behavioral health services. But they also get cut um, in schools. When schools are struggling with um, what to fund, um, there I, I know in Mississippi there are some psychologists, school psychologists, who cover several schools. Um, when you have, when we know that approximately 10% of children will have a significant 
um, behavioral, mental behavioral illness in our school, approximately 10% um, will have a significant one and 20% will have something milder. Um, how in the world can you expect one counselor who covers several schools to do a, a, a decent job? Um, I, I think we're just asking um, for something that's an impossibility. And until we realize that we need to take better care of our kids, take better care of our um, our children, uh, knowing that they are not to sound trite, but they're our future. They really are. And if we don't do something, our future is looking fairly bleak. So um, I know last week we did a show on childhood adversity. This week we're doing it on mass shootings and suicides and gun gun violence. And um, but honestly, the the. All I can say at this point in my my career is that we cannot let this one go, folks. I hope you'll get out there and try to advocate that we do something. Um, not take guns away from law-abiding people who are stable and able to handle them, but to do something to protect our kids and to make their lives better. Colonel John Scanlon, I want to thank you so much for joining in this conversation today. Um, it's been very helpful. I clearly um, do not have a big knowledge of, of guns, and, and thank goodness you were here. Um, we had lots of good callers, and I appreciate everyone who, who called in with their thoughts. Um, again, the solution is multifactorial. We need to look at mental behavioral health. We need to look at our foster care system. We need to look at better control so that people will not have weapons um, when they are unstable individuals or individuals who are already prone to violence. So I believe that's all our time. Um, thanks to everybody. Today's show was engineered by our producer, Jay White. I believe our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.